0: Well, it's about time. The whole sermon really is about time. Some of you have a problem being on time. In fact, you're just now being seated. Some of you have a problem with being on time, and you're actually listening to my words right now online on Monday because you were so late on Sunday that you didn't come. So shout out to the internet world out there. And uh, some of you are always way early. You show up 20, 30, 40 minutes early everywhere you go, and it seems like you have lots of time. Some of you have this love-hate relationship with time, but you're always pushing against time. How many of you believe that it's right to honk your horn once the light turns green and the person in front of you does not go for three seconds? Anybody with me? Right, because we're in a hurry, but I think that's just being courteous to the people behind me. That's not about me at all. It's all about them. I, kn- I know that they have places to go. Some of you love text messaging and emails so that you don't have to waste time on a phone conversation, right? Some of you, and we, you know, we all do that. I was actually reading just the other day how Abraham Lincoln became a little bit obsessed with the T-gram, or with the T-mail, which was the telegram. I just blew the whole thing uh, with T-mail, uh, but he actually. Ran home after dinner and before going to the theater to check to see if he had any telegrams that came in. He was always trying to see if he had more telegrams coming in, and just whatever technology is, it sometimes can kind of we get a little bit obsessed with what is happening around us. And some of you, um, you at the back to school parent night were reading a book during the important parts. Oh, that was just me. Sorry, I got in trouble from my wife, too, about that. But it was a good book, and I didn't want to waste my time, you know, hearing things I already knew. And so I took my book with me to read. And some of you have this issue with time, and you've already checked your watch to see what time I started this morning. Anybody done that? And now some of you who had not checked your watch earlier have now just checked it. I saw you. And so this whole time thing, I was in Kingston, Jamaica, with my good friends Errol and Carmen... Uh, years ago, and they had asked me to preach through uh, a church in the Penwood area of Kingston, Jamaica. It's just an area ravaged by poverty, and met these incredibly beautiful, wonderful people that just love the Lord, and as we were getting ready for the church time to begin, we got there at 10 o'clock, which was when it was supposed to start, and we were the only people there. But then they, they actually have speakers on the outside of the church building, and when the worship team gets there, they just start playing, and it just pipes out into the neighborhood. And when people hear this, then they start kind of stirring from their houses, and they start walking over. And so the worship service lasts a long time because they got to wait for everybody to wake up and come. And so everybody kind of gets there, and I talk to the leaders ahead of time, and I said, now... Uh, my sermon is about 30 minutes um, that they had asked me to preach, and I said, but I can cut it shorter. If you need me to, just tell me what you want. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. At, at least at least preach 45 minutes or we'll be kind of offended, but if you can go longer than that, that's better. I mean, that's a little different view of time than we have, isn't it? And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to uh, talk slowly during this sermon or something. But we all have a different view of time. Think about how Jesus... Related with time, you think about if we just started, you know, listing miracles and sermons and teachings and things that Jesus did, we'd have this great big old long list. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John long. And yet Jesus did all that in how long? Three years. Three years. He did all of those things. And yet, when was he rushing around? When was he blowing by people in order to get somewhere else? When was he ignoring people? We just never read that. He had time for children to come and, and to sit with him and to be with them. And he rebuked the disciples when they tried to get the kids out of there. He had time to sit on a well with a woman and just visit. He had time to go to a wedding, hang out there. He had time to stop by a fig tree and tell a parable. I mean, Jesus just always had time. We never see this rushed Jesus running around, and yet he gets so much accomplished. And here's what I know, that how we think about time really can, really uh, just moves our lives forward. You think about every second, every hour, every day, every year. How we think about time influences everything about our lives. How you manage your time, how you think about time, is your life. And so this morning, I think we owe it to ourselves, and we as a gift to the Lord, to honor him, that we need to think about what is a biblical perspective of time. And if we can have this biblical perspective of time, then I believe that we can be right where God wants us to be. And so uh, I want you to lean in this morning. I've never preached this sermon before. I've never really even thought about this subject very often. But I want us to just lean in this morning and think about, God, teach me about how I should think about time. So let's pray. God, would you, uh, if you need to reorder our thoughts, our thinking about time, we give you permission to do that this morning. Uh, We realize that how we view time impacts every bit of our lives, of our future, And so we need to have a biblical perspective, a perspective that comes from you, and that changes everything about us. So teach us this morning, Lord. We believe that you want to speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you three principles that I see really clear in Scripture. They're uh, written in your sermon page if you'd like to follow along. But the first is this. God gives you his time. You know, sometimes people say, well, what is the greatest gift you can give someone? And people say, well, it's time. And you think about that, that is oftentimes true. If you have a really good friend, would you rather that friend give you a really great gift card for your birthday or give you some time this next year? I think most of us would choose time or it may not be that great of a friendship. At our 220 food pantry, we've talked about how the greatest thing that we can give people is not Not necessarily some food, although that's really important. Not necessarily help with resume writing, that's important. But to give people also time is so important. When you call a counselor, you book an appointment for that counselor's time. That time is important, and that time together can help us. We often have missionaries who, who say, thank you so much for your financial support. We would also just like to ask you, to maybe come and visit us, give us your time. Time means so much to people, and if time is the greatest gift, then God is the greatest giver. A couple months ago, uh, I was jogging and If you know me, you know that I like to jog along the Arkansas River, and uh, especially the west side. It's really pretty over there, and it's pretty quiet over there, and there's no construction over there right now either. And a couple months ago, I was jogging. It was kind of a a brisk morning. The sun was rising. I'd gotten up really early. And there's a grove of trees that I love to go through um, about halfway along my, my little route there. And I always just take in the beauty, these big old oak trees, and it's always shady there, and there's squirrels running around, and the river's over here, and downtown's back here, and it's just this beautiful place, and it's really quiet. I couldn't hear anything else other than myself breathing and my feet uh, hitting the trail. And it struck me that day that God wants to give me his time. It was almost just like that thought just came to me, and I thought, you know, if I If I just stop and lean against the oak tree, God will stop too and just give me his time. If I slow down to a walk, then God will slow down to a walk and give me his time. If I try to speed up on the way back, God will speed up and be right there with me and give me his time. And God is generous with his time, way more generous than I am. In fact, he's more willing to give his time to me, truth be told, than I am willing to give my time to him. And who has the more important job today? (laughs) If I would have woke up sick today and stayed in bed, you know, everybody would have figured stuff out. You know, life would have gone on at Highland Park and in Tulsa and around the globe. You know, I have a meeting today and I have a couple things today, but, you know, life would have gone on. But if God checks out today, we have problems. (laughs) And so God, who has this infinitely important job description today, says, Brian, I give you my time. Have you ever thought about that? That God gives you his time freely. It, for some of you, maybe the takeaway from today is just to take that little phrase and spend some, spend some time meditating and praying on that this week of the God, the creator of the universe, with all the power and all of the jobs to do, gives you his time because he cares for you. I love Psalm 3415. It says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. So God is the person when you speak to him, he sits and he leans forward and he listens to you. He's not texting. He's not reading the newspaper or watching the TV. He's, he's leaning into that conversation. He wants to give you his time. So principle one is God gives you his time. And that fact alone should change a lot about our lives. Principle number two is that God chose you to be a faithful steward of your time. And just as nothing you own is yours, if you have money, if you have a car, if you have a house, that is something God gave to you. And God says, be a good steward with this. Manage it well. Be faithful. And the same is true with your time. For the time that you have today and the next day and the next day, that is all a gift from God. So be a good steward of that time. Time is our most precious resource, it's perishable, it's irreplaceable. You can't ever make up time. You can't do it. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can try to do something different the next day, but you can't get back time. We can't make it up to somebody. By trying to recapture it, it's not there. And if you're hoping to find extra time, you can't do it. I mean, how often do we say, I just got to find a little extra time? People have been trying that for a long time, and they're still just 24 hours in the day. <laughs> we can't do it. We can't find more time. We can make time. We can carve out time. We can change our agenda, but we can't find extra time. Everybody's been given the same amount of time. And if you're hoping to find the extra, you'll be very sad. But giving your time is so important. Hoarding your time is really the same as hoarding your stuff. They both end up with a cluttered mess of junk that you don't need. And so we don't want to do that. And there's this balance in life as we figure out, what do I do with the time God has given to me? On one hand... Stewarding your time well means that if you honor God with your time, you're spending lots of time with people. If you're giving God your time, that looks a lot like giving lots of people your time. Because God has said, be generous in all areas of your life, and that includes giving people your time. Sometimes we're so protected and we're so busy, we can't ever give our time to the people who need it. The people God has put in our path for the very reason of us to stop and give them our time. And we blow right by them, and we miss those opportunities. And some of those people live in our own home, and we've missed those opportunities. Some of them are strangers we meet, but some of them are sitting right next to you, and God says, give them your time. But sometimes giving God our time also looks like protecting it from giving our time to everybody in the world who asks of our time. There's plenty of people who want your time, right? Right? And, and we could end up giving it away to causes that are less important. And so that's where we have to be a good steward of it. Just as you have limited resources, limited money, and you have to be a good steward of that, you have limited time. You have 24 hours. And so how will you give that to honor God? I believe one of the greatest things we can do is to think about, God, how can I give you my time today? I, I love productivity hacks and you know, listening to podcasts and reading books about how can, how can I take my day and like squeeze the most out of it. And if you walk in my office, I've got a big whiteboard with a list of things that I try to do every week, and I keep a calendar, and I try to do all that, and all that stuff is good. Charles Schwab said that he built his business on a tip that he hired a guy to come in and say, hey, help me get more productive, and I will pay you whatever it's worth. And this guy named Ivy Lee said, well, here's my suggestion. Um, get a paper every morning. Write down your top five priorities. Then do number one, and do not get distracted from number one, but do number one until it's complete. And then do number two. (laughs) Do number two until it's complete. And then number three. And Schwab actually bought into it. He taught all his employees to do that. And uh, later on, he wrote the guy for his one day of work a $25,000 check because he said it was worth a lot. I built my business on this one little priority. And I don't know what the system is for you. I do believe that everybody needs a system, at least something where you decide, here's what's important for me. Because if we don't, then we just do, we just kind of go and we're pulled by whatever is urgent, whatever comes up, and we go along and we don't actually have a plan. And I believe that we owe it to the Lord and to ourselves and to our family to actually prioritize what do I want to do with my life? How do I want to spend? My time. But it's not just about priorities. That's a big deal. As far as, like, how can I squeeze the most out of every second? I don't want this to be a, like a productivity hack talk. When we could talk, we could, we could have lunch. I'll have lunch with you someday, and we'll share tips and stuff. But I would like to think maybe a little more big picture. Matthew 6, 33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, are, are you prioritizing God in your life? His kingdom, what he desires for you. If we can do that, we can figure out the little systems and the other things in place. But we need to find time and to make it and to block it out. Here's the awesome thing. Like, this might change your whole little world. If you're stressed out, I have incredible news for you. God has given you enough time today to do everything he's asked you to do so don't stress it oh I know it may not be enough time to do everything that everybody else wants you to do it may not be enough time to do everything you want to do but it's enough time to do everything he's asked you to do same is true of tomorrow he's given you enough time so quit stressing And and I get it that I hate when I disappoint people I, I, hate, I think most of us are in that boat. There's one or two who like to disappoint people, and we don't want to be their friends. But every, everybody else, we hate disappointing people. And when somebody says, hey, what about this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I know that sometimes I have to say no, and I hate that, but it's because I have this priority, and I know what I need to do. And sometimes that list can change in the middle of a situation or whatever. But I hate saying no to anybody, and I get stressed about that. And I need to remember that God has given me enough time today to do what he's asked me to do. And if that involves changing my little list or not, God has given me enough time to do what he's asked me to do. So we need to quit stressing. And I have a hard time remembering that unless I rest some. And not just rest, but Sabbath rest. And I've gotten, I've started using this little phrase, um, and, and I'll encourage people to Sabbath well. And what I mean is to rest well, because I think that what lots of us do is we work kind of lazy and we rest kind of lazy. There's actually a way to rest lazy, and it's no good for you. It's not Sabbath. I'm afraid that if what you would consider your Sabbath rest would be um, to watching TV for 14 straight hours, I can't imagine that when Jesus got up early in the morning to go up to a mountainside he thought, I should watch a show for 14 hours or watch college football for the next 18 days straight. And I can't imagine that Jesus would have thought that would have brought rest to his soul. I'm not saying that's bad. Everybody can have their hobby, and I think that should be part of your Sabbath rest, but only part of it. I think part of the Sabbath rest might include a walk, a Bible reading, a book, a prayer time, a journal, a nap, a conversation with a loved one you care about. I think if we think about what would a Sabbath rest look like and we actually jot down, here's some things I should do for the eight hours that I've kind of carved out this week to just Sabbath rest. I think that would really, really help us to think about our time. And it's it's during times like that that I'm reminded the world will operate without me running 100 miles an hour. I think we need that reminder quite a bit. I certainly do. George Mueller said this, and he was running this orphanage, and he was dealing with tons of kids coming in and all of the stress that that would be, and here's what he said. He said, I saw that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. How good is that? To think about having my soul happy with God. Happy with the Lord. That's how I begin every day. Because the Bible does not say, if you hurry, you catch up with God. It says, be still and know that I am God. And Jesus did not say, hey, join up with me and I will work you 18 hours per day for the rest of your life. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You see, God invites us to labor and to work hard in your family, in your job, in your school, in your church. God invites you to work hard and to work with passion and purpose, and God also invites you to realize that you belong to him and that the whole world doesn't revolve around you, and he's called you to rest in him and for your soul to be happy in him. Basically, We should remember the words of Ephesians 5, which says, Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, making the most of every opportunity in work and in rest. So principle one is God gives you his time. Principle two is that God asks you to be a good steward of your time. And principle three is God desires to spend timeless eternity with you. Ecclesiastes 3 says he has made everything beautiful in its time he has also set eternity in the human heart yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end we just finished going through a study of the book of Jeremiah and one of the verses that I will remember I think I hope the rest of my life is the verse in Jeremiah where God says I have loved you with an everlasting love that God never started loving you because he always has loved you. His love is timeless this direction and that direction. He's always loved you beyond even time. How good is that to know? Have you ever had a time so sweet with family or friends that you just did not want to go home? You, never, you, didn't, you did not want it to end? And it was so good, and you were like, okay, we got to go at some point because this has been so good, but we do still have a life to live tomorrow. And so you have to leave that fellowship and just think about what eternity will be like. there's a time to finish the conversation and more. There's time to rest with God and more. There's time to finish that project and more. There's time to worship without looking at a watch and more. Have you ever been at your house and... You go to the refrigerator, and you pull out the milk, and you realize it's expired. And you're like, oh, no. Is it okay? And you look at the date, and you're thinking, I don't even know how they got this date. Jerry Seinfeld thinks that the cows tip off the farmers. You know, they're getting milked. August 23rd. You know, I don't, I don't know how that happens. But you open up the milk, and you're like, smell it. And you ask everybody else, smell it. I don't know what milk smells like normal. I never smell milk. Is it okay? I don't know if it's okay. But you got this big bowl of grape nuts, and you can't eat grape nuts without milk. You break your teeth in half. And you're like, what am I going to do? And you don't know if you should pour it or not. The truth is, everything in your refrigerator is perishable, right? I mean, even the spam that you might have tucked away in your pantry, it'll go bad during some century, you know. And your clothes and your bank account and your furniture, and your house, and your body, perishable, right? But then comes 1 Corinthians 15, because we only know a world that's perishable without Christ. But then comes 1 Corinthians 15, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And the good news is that this body that knows it is perishing will one day be raised imperishable and that God is doing a work in you to give you hope and joy and peace now and he's given you enough time to do everything you need to do today. He's given you that time and so we can rest in him knowing that he is good and your day may be very busy and that's fine. Your day may be your day of rest and that's fine but God has given you enough to do today And God says, don't sweat it. I'm with you. I've given you enough. And how beautiful would it look to a world to see the church, to see you in your life living with a peace, being wildly productive in your lives, and yet living with a peace. Not being lazy in your work, not being lazy in your rest, but living with joy. And doing the things that God has asked you to do. And reevaluating those priorities from time to time and thinking, is this how I want to give my time? Is this what I want to do with my time? God's given you this beautiful gift of time. And he gives his time to you. And he listens. And he waits. And he talks to you. And he walks with you. And he cares for you. This beautiful Lord has come to give us his time so that we can have this timeless eternity with him. And we want to invite you to that. I want to invite the praise team to come back up. And while they're singing and we're singing this next song, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I want you to know that he gave his time to you. He entered time itself to come to earth to die for our sins. And he was crucified on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that you could have life with him eternally, beyond time. And we want to invite you to that. If you've never accepted Christ and said yes to him, we've got a baptism right behind us, and we'd be glad to talk to you about baptism and to study with you and maybe even have a baptism today. We would be thankful for that. And if you would like to come and pray with somebody during the song, well, have some folks up here on the front row, and we'd be glad to do that. If you would just like prayer. And to to come up here, we'd be glad to just quietly pray with you. If you'd like to come up afterwards, that's fine. Or meet with somebody at a different time, that's fine. But if God is prompting you, don't shove that off. Be honest with that. If you would, would you stand and let me pray? Pray for us. God, we thank you that you gave us your time, even when we've been so selfish with ours. And God, we pray that that thought alone would just... Fill us full of joy and hope and peace, and you've given us enough time to do what you've called us to do. So I pray that we can live with some contentment and peace today, and the next day and the next day in the world will see people who live differently because of the contentment and peace you've given to us. And I pray that we can use our time to honor you, to love you, to love each other, to love others you bring our way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen.